Hello and welcome to North 100, a Canadian Highlander podcast. I'm Serge. Joining me today, I have a Jer. Hello. And a Wheeler. Ahoy. Reminder that North 100 is brought to you by you with your support at the Patreon over at patreon.com slash loading ready run. Welcome to part two of our Canadian Highlander Commander Legends set review. Reminder that our set reviews are not exhaustive. We don't talk about every card, only the ones that we think are relevant to the format. Today, we're going to be covering red cards, green cards, and gold cards. And without any other further ado, let's just jump right on into it and talk about Boarding Party. This is a 6-mana, six 6-3 six human pirate with haste and cascade. Wheeler, you like cascade. What do you think? I mean, I like haste. I like cascade. I typically like when they're together, and I like it when my cards have a lot of generic mana requirements. I look at this card, and I think that... <sighs> It's very close to being a win more card, which I'm sure it just look glaringly looks like a win more card. <laughs> but uh-huh. for, for a deck like medium red, like basically everything is a win more card. I'm not sure I'd I'd use win and this card in the same sentence. So so here let me let me get to the skinny. So obviously this thing dying six mana dying to lightning bolt, not the best. When this cascades into a mana crypt or a mana vault, also not that great. But aside from like the absolute worst cascade hits, like even if this hits like a lightning bolt or a flame slash and is able to clear the way, ideally of something that could trade with this in combat or something that's like really cheap, you're getting six power haste on the board and potentially, well, a lot more off of whatever your cascade is hitting. Six is a lot. My personal medium red lists don't really go up to six or even that many fives. But I know that that's not, you know, everybody's version of this deck and if you're packing a whole bunch of dragons congratulations here's another dragon that gets you into another dragon i was gonna ask if this is an honorary dragon so boarding party counts as a dragon here yeah anytime i say dragon it's just a big thing with haste Doesn't even have to fly or fire breathe. Charging Monstrosaur is a classic dragon. Yeah, like in reality, Smasher, canonical dragon. Like uh, having some kind of evasion is usually required, right? Like flying is the classic. Trample is I mean, the... yeah, speaking of trample, I wish this card had trample. Yeah. Yeah. I wish this was a ball lightning, right? Like we want this to be a ball lightning with Cascade, don't then we? Then we'd be talking. Yeah. Like I could, uh, this is a card I can foresee playing or trying out. But it's not like, don't worry, there are other cards in here that are slam dunks for medium <laughs> red. This is just kind of like a, eh, if you want to really push it, you can do this. All right, good warm up card. Let's move on to a card that's more likely to see play the Coercive Recruiter. Five mana, four, three orc pirate for four and a red. When it or another pirate enters the battlefield under your control, gain control of target creature until end of turn. Untap that creature. Until end of turn, it gains haste and becomes a pirate. Jar, what do you think? This card's actually pretty exciting. I think after looking at it and thinking a bunch, I think it's an upgrade to Zealous Conscripts in, for the most part in most of the decks that play Zealous Conscripts. It, it itself doesn't have haste, but it's got a better body and you have the option to absolutely pop off with clones or if you somehow play other pirates that I'm not thinking of. Incidental pirates? Yeah, the old incidental pirates. 
But yeah, I, I think the ability to pop off with clones and, and the better body makes it better. Because like often you don't really want to attack with your Zealous Conscripts because it's like a pretty high priority creature to have in play because it's a combo piece. So your opponent needs to play really scared when you have a combo piece in play. Really quick, can you talk about the combo here in case people aren't familiar? Yeah, so you can combo with, off with Kiki Jiki. You uh, copy Kiki Jiki targets or, or Splinter Totem also works. Kiki Jiki targets Zealous Conscripts. Zealous Conscripts targets Kiki Jiki and rinse and repeat and you could do the the same thing with with this card cool so. All right, let's move on to our first court that we're going to talk about today. We talked about them a lot in the previous episode. Here's the red one. Five mana, three red red. When it enters the battlefield, you become the monarch. It's an enchantment. And at the beginning of your upkeep, Court of Ire deals two damage to any target. If you're the monarch, it deals seven damage to that player or permanent instead. Wheeler, let's start with you, but let's all talk about this. Uh, how do you feel about the red court? I mean, it's pretty messed up. First off, it's just a thing that gives you the monarch which is already pretty solid and then like its upkeep trigger lets you either end the game very quickly or clear the board and like prevent you from losing the game so it's just like it its ability is so so much more focused on like allowing you to either reclaim the monarch which you know if that happens it's probably due to like evasive threats like cheaper evasive threats which this just knocks every vendillion clique out of the sky and if it's not doing that then you're either doming them for seven that doesn't take long to kill them or you're doming out their creatures which also is just like doesn't take that long to just remove any kind of hope that they have. It's super good at fighting for the board, which mm -hmm. is of the utmost importance once the monarchy is introduced. Yeah. Also, where did they get the number seven from? Like, I don't know. Like five would have been reasonable. Four, double They wanted two. to end the game. They wanted <laughs> yeah. to end the game in three turns. But like, compare this to most <laughs> five mana planeswalkers. It's it's so much better. I I understand that it's commander and there's higher life totals but even in commander if this card is just like deal four to anything that still just ends the game very quickly like so let's talk about the fact that this is a five mana enchantment is that I'm, too expensive for our format what decks actually want to play this i <laughs> i think this is where jerry and i will meet on the five drops that we'd like to play is that when we play five drops no matter how many of them we play we're playing them because five drops win the game yep and this is five mana come into play if i stick around i'm winning the game <laughs> even if it doesn't stick around you might just win the game yeah like i think that's the important <laughs> yeah. thing with these courts is that at the end of the day even if they're gone right you are the monarch which means that they've probably used resources to remove this enchantment but not remove you being the monarch or vice versa right let's get some deck examples obviously it's a shoe in big red like any wildfire deck any stacks deck loves this where else could this find a home red mid-range oh. decks green red monsters john monsters green red ramp you could probably jam this in blue moon honestly i was gonna say does like, blue moon yeah. play this in the role of yeah. like where karanos used to be i think you need to be a little careful with monarchy and like pretty hard control decks but yeah don't want to accidentally get burnt by it I, yeah I, I mentioned blue moon because i think that's a deck that has received a bunch of cheaper 
threats or not threats, cheap creatures that provide a lot of great utility like Seagate Restore. What the hell is it called? Seagate Stormcaller recently, yeah. right? Like it's a thing you're going to play early, which will be able to block and help you keep the monarch. You obviously have young Pyromancers, well, Pyromancer and Season Pyromancer. You have more of a push in those decks as well. Kind of similar to how, you know, like Jared was talking about Blue White in the last episode where you don't play, you know, you're not playing Wrath of God or whatever, is that Blue Moon, you you know, you got Fire Prophecy, you got additional, even stuff like Brazen Borrower. Like you have more like one for one or kind of like tempo-ish cards that you can just, I mean, in with a court going, with the Monarch going, it's like, yeah, I guess I'll just bounce your creature that you'll get to replay. But that bounce also just means that you get to keep the Monarch. Okay, so Blue Moon Blue Moon works or I just try and wrap you up on yeah, that one? Yeah, Blue Moon's going to work. Like, if you, <laughs> the, like the decks you play this in are decks that add red mana. Like, All right. there's not a lot... It, it's there's not a lot of nuance needed for these enchantments realistically let's move on to ember wild captain four mana four two gin pirate for three and a red when it enters the battlefield surprise surprise you become the monarch and whenever an opponent attacks you while you're the monarch the captain deals damage to that player equal to the number of cards in their hand Wheeler, what do you think? Yeah, this card's kind of messed up. It's super easy to cast in that it's only a single red pip. It gives you the monarch. So already it's a creature that comes into play and gives you the monarch, which is a pretty big check mark in its favor. The fact that it hits for like hitting for four, four, two is not exactly the best body in the world. You know, dying to shock isn't exactly something you want to phone home about, but hitting for four damage in a medium red deck or a red X, like a gruel mid range deck or whatever is perfectly fine. That's okay by my standard. And then you just have this added ability of like punishing your opponent for attacking you and trying to get the monarch back. Yeah, for trying to fight on the access, which you have now made them fight on like yeah like it's they have to attack you because they have to get the monarch back and there's situations where they will not be able to attack you until they remove this creature yeah and like even if they like if they attack attacking already has a cost right you are actively removing creatures from your selection of available blockers against medium red or against decks that are going to play creatures and red cards so that's all there's already a cost to taking the offensive air quotes but this just is like nah take an additional three idiot and like that's not even factoring in that you know they just have to attack they don't have to take the monarch we've seen previous cards knight of the black thorn or whatever like an orzov monarch card from the conspiracy the original or well conspiracy two i believe when monarch was introduced that said when an opponent becomes the monarch after like after they become the monarch from hitting you then they get punished but this doesn't even say that this says they have to attempt to get the monarch back right and shockingly you got removal spells when there's also an interesting play pattern where you can just choose to keep all your creatures like not block keep Mm -hmm. maximum attackers and just keep trading the monarchy back and forth while they're taking extra damage and you're a red deck so you're likely already favored in a race chances are your linear aggressive deck will probably be able to utilize all the extra cards like more without, you know, the risk of drawing situational cards or just having cards clogged in your hand. Next up, we have the Fathom Fleet Sword Jack. That one's actually just kind of fun to say. Fathom Fleet Sword Jack. Four mana, four, three, orc pirate for three and a red. Whenever it attacks, it deals damage to the player or planeswalker it's attacking equal to the number of artifacts you control and also encores 
for six. I'm going to throw to you again, Wheeler, just because it says artifacts. What do you think? I think this card has a whole bunch of things going for it, but ultimately I feel like it might just fall flat, probably going to fall flat. The, the fact that it counts about artifacts has a whole bunch of colorless mana in its, or generic mana in its mana cost, and that it has Encore, which again requires you to have large-ish amount of a mana sink. Kind of lines up for, say, like an artifact-based aggressive deck that is going to play Wheel of Fortunes, Mana Crypts, you know, Ancient Tombs, that kind of stuff. Like, you're, it can fit into a deck that wants to play a bunch of artifacts, check, has the, you know, tendency to occasionally draw too much mana and it doesn't mind a mana sink, check, has a way to, you know, put it into the graveyard uh, outside of it just dying in combat from Wheels and Faithless Lootings, check. So, and even stuff like Bomat Courier. So it's interesting because it just has all these things that line up for it. And even stuff like Lightning Greaves in your repertoire, Lightning Greaves, Swift Foot Boots, you know, equipment that helps it, you know, get off the ground. But I just don't know if all these things adding up are enough to justify playing it. Like give it a try, but like, don't be shocked when you're like, well, turns out this card was bad. <laughs> or like not enough, I guess is a more reasonable thing to say. All right. Next up, we have Jessica's Will. Three mana sorcery for two and a red. Choose one. And that's the only text that matters to our format. <laughs> so you can add red for each card in target opponent's hand or exile the top three cards of your library. You may play them this turn. Jer, what do you think? I just think whenever I'm looking at modal spells, I always want there to be like a sort of default mode that is always good. And to me, this card just doesn't, doesn't really have that like the second mode is good when you draw this in the late game and you can sort of use it as a as a draw three the other mode is situational in that like you need something like big in hand that you want to power out and you need to like your need your opponent to be playing a little slower or it needs to be like exactly your turn three so i just think this card just doesn't quite have like the consistency that we require from from cards in this format you don't think it's going to have a home in one of the dedicated combo decks either as like a, a ritual or a draw spell depending where you are in your storm chain i don't think so but i i could be wrong like if you could play this in a storm deck that also uses wheel of fortunes maybe but like what i i think to cap off what jerry is saying is that like why would our combo decks need to play something that isn't the sure thing right like seething song is always seething song and this card is not always going to be seething song and yeah, right, that's yeah fair. it's it, it just kind of needs to have that hey i always can do this and it doesn't really do that all right let's move on then to rograk son of roga Apologies if I didn't nail that pronunciation. This is a legendary Cobalt Warrior 01 for 0. Has First Strike, Menace, and Trample. And I don't know if this card is good. It's cute. Oh, uh, silence. Oh, absolute I crickets. Mean, it's like, look, we play... This is a meme, right? Is it? I don't know. I, I play Memnite. Is there is there a deck that wants free spells, or do you only care about Memnite because it's an artifact? Memnite's an artifact, but it also has one power. I play Ornithopter. Right? Ornithopter also has flying. Like this has keywords. Yeah, I I've thought about where this card could potentially see play for a long time. Outside of the realm where it's just another zero mana creature that is like a worse option than everything else. And like technically you can like Caracas loop with this and like do Cloudstone Curio kind of things. But like, 
we could have already done very similar things to that. One interesting place I did think about was in like a Blitz deck. The fact that you have a zero mana investment into this creature, which means then spending mana on spells that give it like a reckless charge, like something like one mana plus three plus zero in haste. Theoretically, that is a reasonable thing to do. But much like how the conversation with Jessica's will is just like, I why do that when I could just play like Tarmogoyf? A creature with prowess. I yeah. like I like Jer's answer. Is this a joke? All right. Fair enough. Fair enough. All right. Let's move on then. <laughs> let's talk about another fun named creature, a Togo Goblin Weaponsmith. This is a three mana two two legendary goblin goblin artificer for two and a red whenever a land enters the battlefield under your control create a colorless equipment artifact token named rock rock says equipped creature has one and tap and sack rock deal two damage to any target and equips for one wheeler what do you think of this card so speaking of things where people started off with is this a joke i think this card is very good or has the potential to just be like a staple I'm looking through this in the scope of a a combo deck, Academy Combo, because it checks off so many boxes, even ones that you wouldn't think. Like it's, you can find this from both recruiters. It has ancient tomb mana. It's a goblin, which I have experimented and successfully found that turns out goblin matron, totally fine tutor card to play because there's goblin welders and kiki-jikis and all that jazz. It generates artifact tokens, which is huge. The requirement for doing that is having lands ETB, which Academy decks will either infinitely put lands into play or they will be able to put in multiple lands into play, be it through fetches or crop rotations, that kind of thing. And then the fact that this thing also just makes, like these rocks can kill people. Like I was going to ask about the rock specifically. So when you're talking yeah. about combo potential, and I, I know I had Jer said he was interested in this card as well. Are you using the rocks to kill or are you using the creation of artifacts as an engine here? I'll throw to Jer for that question. I, I was thinking of it entirely different scope to Ben. I was thinking of it just in like a goblin stack honestly yeah like i yeah i honestly think it's just reasonable in goblins <laughs> yeah. like huh. just gives you a bunch of reach like that deck is like the ultimate deck that like you just need to find the last six points like you're gonna yeah. deal 14 damage no problem every game but you just don't have the concentration of burn spells that the other red decks do so just having another reasonable body super tutorable for that deck that when you draw those lands in the late game just gives you additional additional reach yeah, it's a goblin that lets you do goblin things. And what was your combo thought, Wheeler? Well, that, I mean, I guess my question is both. It's just like <laughs> you, like Academy combo decks, depending on your exact build, to some capacity, just being able to make a large amount of artifacts for free will then let you kill a thing. Like Academy decks never struggle to kill people. Like that's not a thing. Like when you build combo decks like that, the last thing you need to think about is how you kill them. But Togo, like again, that's the last thing you think about. You look about, you look at this card with the through the lens of it's easy to find and what it does synergizes with everything your deck's looking to do. But then it also just happens to provide 
a way to kill people because all these artifact tokens you've made can now just get thrown at your opponent, right? I do like the idea of killing your opponent by pummeling them with rocks. Yeah. Doesn't feel very 2020 magic, but it's kind of beautiful. Yeah, like I, the first thing I looked at this, I thought when I looked at this was, I'm going to animate an artifact land with life spark spell bomb, and then I'm going to like loop voltaic keys untapping this artifact land as it throws rocks at my opponent to death it's just yeah it's mm, all right magic let's move on to wheel of misfortune three mana sorcery for two and a red each player secretly chooses a number zero or greater then all players reveal those numbers simultaneously and determine the highest and lowest numbers revealed this way wheel of misfortune deals damage equal to the highest number to each player who chose that number each player who didn't choose lowest number discards their hand and then draws seven wheeler do you want to explain that in uh, simpler english there sure do surge i'm gonna play this depending on whether or not my opponent has red mana available might decide ultimately what exact number i pick but i'm going to play this pick an extremely high number and then draw seven cards and kill my opponent. It, I'm going to try and treat this as much as I can as a literal copy of Wheel of Fortune that doesn't let them to draw cards. I guess a one-sided Wheel of Fortune that also says when it resolves, uh, dome me for like 16 or whatever. What was that old card from RTR that they could pay five life and if not, you gained three life? Is this a punish mechanic? Like Wait, as a comparison for the red decks RTR? for- You mean- Wait, browbeat? Pay five life to no, gain. No, there was a life? there was a, a card that it had the weird buyback mechanic where you could cast it from your graveyard if you also discarded a card. Help me out here. Red uh, decks loved it. Draw three or take five. Oh wait. Oh, you, oh risk, risk factor. factor. Risk factor. Oh my yeah. god. We don't have time for we don't have time for punishment uh, mechanics. Uh, this is so so this isn't the way that I think that this card will ultimately see play. Like when it sees play at its like best is when it's not a pun the only punishment is that i'm going to dome myself out and there will be occasions where this card could be dead in my hand because my opponent is just holding up a bunch of burn and they're waiting for me to dome myself for 15 but that's already something you just kind of like accept with cards like windfall as well where you're like well this card's just dead if my opponent just empties their hand quicker yeah, it's it's not. I don't. I don't see this card as a Punisher card by any any metric. No, it's All just right. like a a high variance card. Let's move on to green and let's talk about a very large lad here. We're talking about Apex Devastator. 10 mana, 10, 10 Chimera Hydra for eight green green, and it reads Cascade, 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 Cascade. Wheeler, what do you think? I mean, I'm probably going to cast Channel and then cast this. I don't know if that's the correct thing to do, but I will probably do it. I, I'm likely to try that out in a deck that isn't like a big Eldrazi green variant, although maybe that's fine. I think you could cast this in like Hoof as well. Like, Yeah, I don't know if you need to cast it in Hoof, I guess. That's my thing. Like where I'm seeing this is I'm casting this in a deck that'll play like channel and like Lich's Mirror where you could just like reset the game or reset some things with the Lich's, with the Cascade triggers on the stack or, you know, just I'm fine dealing a whole bunch of damage to myself or killing myself or adding a bunch of colorless mana. Yeah, I, I mean, this card is extremely goofy, right? Like this is, this is. What's goofier, this or Maelstrom Wanderer? 
Oh, this, this one. for sure. <laughs> yeah, big, big pop. But it doesn't have haste. Yeah, all right. Fair enough. Yeah. All right. But, well, then let's move on to the final court, the Green Court Court of Bounty. Four mana enchantment for two green green. When it enters the battlefield, you become the monarch. At the beginning of your upkeep, you may put a land card from your hand onto the battlefield. If you're the monarch, instead, you may put a creature or land card onto the battlefield. This is the final one. How do we feel about the green one here, team? Might be the best one. Yep. Uh, yep. Gonna gonna have to agree with Jer on that one. Is this going into like an oath style oh, archetype? Every green deck ever. Every green, yeah. Like this this <laughs> was tailor made for Scape Shift, but like it's it's so absurdly good. Like Hoof plays this. Every green mid range deck ever plays this. Lands lands mid range. Does show and tell sneak and show start playing this? Yeah, why not? <laughs> I mean, sure. I guess you could. Can't can't make your deck any worse by including a card like. I'm I'm sure it's better than some of the cards people are playing in that deck. This card is so stupid. Like, well, I have an important question now. We've talked about all five. Yeah. And I'm curious of the five, which you think is the strongest? This one, green. Yeah. No hesitation. You're like lose six life, discard two cards. You're like, yeah, nah. This. So this, my, this card, this card lets you break the rules. It like <laughs> this card's just like okay. Tell you what, the the really good version, you get to break the rules like massively, right? Like you like just get three to three times. Yeah, you get to break like three of the most fundamental rules of Magic. You yeah. get to draw extra cards. Uh, you get to play extra lands, and you don't have to pay for your creatures. Yeah, card like <laughs> when when you're teaching someone how to play magic, like that's what you know. Those are the steps. Oh no, sorry, you got to tap your lands to cast your creatures. All right, I guess <laughs> when you put it that Christ. way, you're like you're suddenly playing a completely different game. You're like, forget about damage. You're just cheating at this point. Is that what you're saying? On basically every axis, like <laughs> you're like, I'll take more cards. I'll play extra lands, and I won't pay for my things. Nice. Isn't that cool. the bonus you get an arch enemy or something like that? Well, like when yeah. you're playing a 2v1 format. It's going to feel like arch enemy yeah. your opponent <laughs> plays this against yeah. you. <laughs> Interesting. All right. Well, there you have it. Court of Bounty, best court. Let's move on and talk about the Dawn Glade Regent, the largest elk ever printed. Seven mana, five green green gets you an 8-8. Eight, eight. When it enters the battlefield, you become the monarch. And as long as you're the monarch, permanents you control have hexproof. Jar, what do you think? Great. Yeah, this card's good. I would reanimate it. I would ramp into it with hoof and or other ramp decks. Yeah, this yeah. one's much much more reasonable than like Devastator for like getting to seven is like oh, sure. oh, oh I Easy. woke up, uh, I'm gonna turn on my coffee in the but in the meantime <laughs> I'll become All the right. monarch and you can't kill any of my elves ever. Like, Jesus Christ. All right. Let's talk about another large green friend. This is an eight mana five five Kamal Heart of the Krosa. Six green green gets you a legendary human druid. At the beginning of combat on your turn, creatures you control get plus three, plus three, three, and gain trample. Sorry, I started laughing. You just get a free overrun. There's another activated ability, one in a green, until end of turn, target land you control becomes a 1-1 elemental creature with vigilance, indestructible, and haste, and is still a land. Jer? This gets into druids because it's a druid and it wins you the game. You can yeah. find it with green sun zenith. Or Finale of Devastation. Wowee. Or any of the other many creature tutors <laughs> yeah. available. So just for druids, 
or are there any other green decks? Like, is this an no. alternate way for Hoof to sort of like push through damage Hoof, at the end? Hoof has better better options available. You you only yeah. play this in Druids because you're like it's a Druid. You're they, Druids they, is not a like an you don't make the optimal choice. You make the correct choice. You make, you make the Druid. And so we're choice. like cutting Hoof for this card basically. Oh, <laughs> because it says Druid on it. Yeah. I, I appreciate your your dedication to the bits and now wheeler didn't you have some type of childhood connection with kamal not really i mean i i had a kamal no i i thought i thought during the ppr you saw kamal and you were like my sweet summer child no i opened kamal (laughs) and was like wow this card is going to kill people in commander and uh, yeah i i mean i had a kamal the uh, fist of krosa but that guy that's a that's an old canlander playable that we'd like to let's go back to when that card was like fine was that the cycle where if you had a second copy of it you could discard it to do something oh, am i remembering that right from oh, like time my, spiral or no my dear lad this is all the way back in onslaught this is it's like a god is he six or five mana I've Fist got it. Crosa, yeah, know. six mana, four, three for four green, green, legendary mm. human druid, Jer. Green mana activated ability, target land becomes a one, one until end of turn. Okay. And for two green, green, green creatures you control, gain trample. Wow, the power creep is real here. Yeah, you just over, it's got overrun and you can make things creatures. He just got, <laughs> Kamal got so much swoller. He, he went up from yeah. a six drop to an eight drop, went from a four, three to a five, five. And his activated ability is just free now. Wow. Do you remember when Sam Yates was tooth and nailing for Kamal and Elish Norn and then just Armageddoning his opponent? See, that's that's the that's the magic I want to go back Good, to. Good, honest magic. Oh, right. God. Target land. You could just target their lands. Oh, that's so good. Yeah, I don't... We're not... Yeah, I don't want to be a cliche here, but I really... Do we have to go to the Court of Bounty? Let me go back to those days. Yeah, fair enough, fair enough. Let me go back to Abundant Sylvan Library. (laughs) Oh my god, you're talking my language. Oh, that was like my favorite combo. Yeah, Sylvan Library, you're like, ah, this is... I'm only drawing three cards. What if I added a four-mana do-nothing enchantment that was better? This card's pretty good, but what it really (laughs) needs is yeah four mana more and another I, card now i miss taking. my opponent scooping to that like uh, like oh i can't beat this <laughs> oh, all right Jesus. all right let's move on next up we have kodama of the east tree six mana six six legendary spirit for four green green has reach because of course it does and whenever another permanent enters the battlefield under your control if it wasn't put onto the battlefield with this ability you may put a permanent card with equal or lesser cmc from your hand onto the battlefield cool chair what do you think cards interesting i wish it had trample instead of reach so it would threaten your opponent a bit more like my issue is like by the time most decks get to six the ability just doesn't really matter like you're you're probably emptying your hand pretty much every turn anyways like you likely don't have many cards left in hand and you're casting a huge thing putting a lesser thing into play probably doesn't matter too much is there some sort of weird combo potential with looping and bouncing creatures over and over i'm thinking like your alluring combo decks does this have a, a home in something like that you d- you would never play this in alluring i was trying to think of that and i couldn't think of anything like nothing immediately busted came to my head like you can just do better things without putting a six drop in your alluring deck but i don't know ben ben do you know of anything mm. that uh no, dig deep I... dig deep wheeler <laughs> 
I mean, this card can like I this card can loop with things, but again, it's much like the like if I'm putting a if I'm looping with a six drop in something like eggs, where this could this has a couple of loops, it's usually time spiral, and that's not exactly a six drop. Yeah. All right. We tried. Yeah. You got a combo. Let us know. Let's move on to Magus of the Order. Four mana, three three human wizard for two green green activated ability green and tap and sack Magus of the Order and another green creature. Search your library for a green creature card, put it onto the battlefield, and then shuffle your library wheeler great <laughs> i think this card's pretty good i think that up front i will acknowledge that yep it dies to lightning bolt and yep you do need to have another creature in play but that's okay because those have been challenges that creature decks have faced for an eternity and i mean i guess maybe in 2022 we'll get to the point where power creep means that lightning bolt is insufficient but for now i think that's okay and i uh, foresee myself playing this in basically every uh creature combo deck that has a large green base or uses green as like a big component like yeah. Hoof and Protean Hulk decks are the the big jump outs to me. But out of curiosity, what is what card is this referencing? Just if people don't understand, Na- natural order. Natural order. Want to read that one real quick? Oh, heck of a magic card. Four. It's two and two green for a sorcery. Additional cost to cast natural order. Sacrifice a green creature. Search your library for a green creature and put it into play. Shuffle your library afterward. How many points is it? four points and uh i think it's worth every single one of them i love this card because it just epitomizes cowboy magic you just play this and and look your opponent in the eyes and you shrug you're like are you gonna kill it (laughs) if not you're not winning (laughs) now that you mention it i definitely can see how like when i when this card was first previewed i was looking at it and i was like this is ridiculous this is absurd and disgusting and they're like, why? People are like, well, I mean, you can bolt it. I'm like, yeah, but they're not going to have it. <laughs> like, <laughs> duh. And like, there is, I mean, there's some truth Just, to that's that. It's like saying, I can't cast natural order. They're going to counter it. Well, I mean, there, I, I think that there is like, when you have cards like this to, I mean, to give like a very big poindexter point on it. When you have cards like this, you should acknowledge that, yeah, it will die to lightning bolts. You know, that's kind of a thing, like a metric that we judge a lot of cards to, especially ones without ETB but like not every game will have it and the ones where they don't you're winning the game well and also like you're playing this in a deck where they have a high propensity to bolt your early creatures like if you have a turn one dork they're gonna bolt it if you have a turn two dork they're gonna bolt it if you have a turn three dork they're gonna like cast every removal spell available to kill it i'm I'm sorry do you think this is the first (laughs) like (laughs) i'm sorry opponent you think this is the first time I've played a four drop that just dies to bolt. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I've been casting hunt like um, master of the wild hunt for, for yeah, you know, yeah, let's go a decade like, now. I'm already numb to your burn spells. I cast yeah, five drops yeah. that died. I'll bolt. cast. I'll cast Titania with no legal targets in my graveyard. You think I'm scared yeah. of this? Yeah, bring it on! Oh yeah. my god. This is not good advice to new players, but so goes. So eh, goes. I mean, I think it actually is good yeah. advice to new players. Live boldly. Don't don't worry about your creatures dying. Ah, that's yeah, fair. you need to win the game, right? Control players aren't even playing Wrath anymore. Overextend. <laughs> you put your cards in your deck to play, and you play them to win the game. So don't. Yeah. Let's move on then to Numa. Oh, is this Joraga or a Yoraga? Joraga. 
Draga, that's that word. I've heard it before. Numa, Draga Chieftain, three mana, two, two, legendary elf warrior for two and a green. At the beginning of combat on your turn, you may pay XX. When you do, distribute X plus one plus one counters onto any number of target elves. Wheeler, what do you think? It's an elf that can go into elves, and that's, oh, that sounded more, that made me sound more like a jerk-off, but I was being genuine when I said it's an elf, which is important because it means it's easy to find in a deck such as elves, which is going to have a whole bunch of mana sinks, either just, you know, hashtag infinite, where their Gaia's Cradle adds like 10 mana or whatever, or actual factual infinite, where they just add infinite mana. And this allows you to add infinite mana and then dump it all into attack with your like extremely buff Findhorn elf now. So swole. They've been, Findhorn elf's been hitting the gym. Does this get into any of the counters decks? I don't know off the top of my head. I don't think so. Like, it is a warrior, but... No, the restriction's really tough, right? Because Numa can only put the plus one, plus one counters on an elf. But she's an elf. Yeah, but but Numa's an elf. Just if she buffs herself, I guess? Numa's an elf and also just like... Also, it's a he, but Numa's an oh, elf sorry. and also... Just like, I don't know, maybe there is enough elves. Like in, in a count, counters decks will mostly have green and will play Llanowar elves and all these mana accelerants. And like, maybe there's enough density of actual elves because there's a whole bunch of elves that care about counters. Like a ton of them. Rishkar. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, all right. Immaculate Magistrate. Like, and, a, and all of them basically also say like, hey, I care about counters. And if you care about me, we can go infinite. <laughs> so again, it all kind of ties together. All right. Let's move on to Reshape the Earth. Nine mana sorcery for six green, green, green. Search your library for up to 10 land cards, put them onto the battlefield tapped, and then shuffle your library. JR, what do you think? I think this card is sweet. I don't know how good it is. Like, if you cast it and then get to untap, you're winning. If you cast it in a scape shift deck, you just win. Yeah, that's just like, that's just scape shift lethal every day, right? Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. But you've already got nine mana in scape shift. Haven't you already won at that point? Well, no, not if you haven't been able to successfully resolve scape shift. But, like, this is a card that people will cast and then they will never forget that spell pierce exists. <laughs> well, I feel like you're just signing up to for spell pierce to not exist when you put this into your deck, but yeah, yeah, it, yeah days days has never felt worse. And we are like, they're tapped out. Now's my time. Yeah. Like I don't, I don't think you're supposed to play this in our format, but I'm probably going to, and it's going to be sweet. <laughs> Yeah. Nice, Jer. Nor, nice. Nor Robin's going to cast this and be like, all right, great. Cabal Coffers, Herborg. Iamugan, Eldrazi Temple. Yeah, it resolves. You start scooping up. You see the cards he's grabbing. You're like, wait, I'm not dead here? You're like, oh, God, no. He's like, far Now from the game it. truly begins. Yeah. Let's talk about our final green card today and our final reprint in the set review that we're going to be talking about we're talking about three visits a sorcery that a lot of people are very excited to see more of two mana one in a green gets you a sorcery that says search your library for a forest note it doesn't say non-basic forest just a forest card put it onto the battlefield untapped and shuffle your library i added a lot of words there but there's a lot of subtlety as to why this card is really good jer what do you think this card is really good it's the best two mana ramp, like far seek rampant growth variant that exists. 
along with Nature's Lore, which functionally does the same thing. You should play it in all of your decks that want these effects, and now it should be easier to to acquire. So that's awesome. Heck yeah. All right, let's move on to gold cards. And up first, we have Abomination of Lanoir. This is a three-mana star-star legendary elf horror. It has Vigilance and Menace, and its power and toughness are equal to the number of elves you control, plus the number of elf cards in your graveyard. Wheeler, does this do enough? I, I believe so. So we've talked about elves a couple of times over the set review. They've given us a whole bunch of good ones, and they've given us a bunch of good ones in the colors that matter. So as far as just having a card that is like, hey, I'm large and... I can uh, get around chump blocking. Great. Where my brain really started ticking with this, though, was like, there's a lot of things that elves can do that, especially in black and green, that really lead to just milling. So, of course, this is, of course, Ben is talking about dredge again. I genuinely think there's like an elf dredge deck where you, because you have so many, black green is the, the, like, those are the best colors for dredge, right? Easy to put your stuff in your graveyard. You have a bunch of creatures that draw cards on ETB or when they sacrifice. You have a bunch of ways to already sacrifice your cards and you have a whole bunch of cheap creatures to accelerate to your more, you know, expensive engine cards or to fuel sack outlets such as dread return. And now you have have i mean previously you had other like ways of reanimating something and killing them with a big thing but abomination of lanoir in that kind of deck does it but is also just a normal card so like if you played that early enough like congratulations you might have like a three mana seven seven with vigilance and menace but then if you combo kill them you might be able to reanimate this and then dome them out through some kind of spell or ability like an old mimeoplasm combo right like yeah, damage yeah. equal to its power and toughness yeah, exactly so yeah. think of that kind of thing but it will have power toughness equal number of elves in your graveyard which is going to be you know like 40 or like 35 <laughs> plus so honestly i didn't know. think it was going to have that much application that's really neat neither did i because it's not something you think i i don't think any healthy person should immediately have their mind go to el like elf dredge Traditionally, star star cards in our format aren't great, and we see them as things that require a lot of setup. And we talk mm -hmm. about like there's two ways to evaluate a card. There's the best case scenario, and in magical Christmas land, you're like, this is amazing. And there's the worst case scenario. And yeah. depending on where those bars are, you can discuss if a card is gonna make the cut or not. And I didn't think the worst case scenario on Abomination of Lanawar was mm -hmm. good enough and then you're talking about the situation where you're like no nah, this thing is sweet there's a scale that i've been using i don't have a great name for it but i'm sure like this is going to immediately ring true to jer and anybody that has played at like tournaments ptqs whatever where if somebody describes a scenario from they're like hey how'd your round go and they start talking and you're like not really listening at the beginning because they're not at the good part because every magic player has to build <laughs> things up and like if you can foresee that part of their story involving like this card like if i'm like if you're like how'd your round go ben i'm like oh well so i'm playing against this matchup and i i go like turn one elf uh and like turn two abomination and then on three i'm able to attack for like four or whatever right you don't care about that that's not why i'm telling you the story but it also does it's not unrealistic that's just what happens when you play matches of magic with a deck that's built like that all right so that's like the story case of like if it doesn't sound like too wild or whatever 
like that's probably how this card's going to function and that sounds perfectly fine to me yeah like if i wouldn't eye roll when you tell that story <laughs> then it's yeah it's probably fine <laughs> words to live by so we want to move on now to i think the card that we all I've never seen this in a set review before. I'm going to talk before we introduce the card where we all fought on who got to talk about this card. Like normally one or two people will be interested, but all three of us were like, no, I get to talk about this card. So we're going to we're going to go in a cycle here. And we're talking about AC, Tyrant of the Gyre Strait. This is a six mana five, five legendary serpent for four, a green and a blue. It says... You may play an additional land on each of your turns, and whenever a land enters the battlefield under your control, you may draw a card. I'll go first. <laughs> yeah. I love it. I love it. I love it. It's exploration and a one-sided horn of greed. It's going to go in every single lands deck I play from now on. It does everything you want it to do, and I don't even care that it costs six mana. It's incredible. Let's go Jer next. Yeah, it's it's amazing. It's green sunnable. It has a a solid body it blocks it attacks it kills your opponent it kills planeswalkers it combo kills your opponent values them out if you're not able to combo kill them it's, it's quite good and wheeler okay so this wasn't in our like set review document because it's it's in the commander set right it's in or sorry it's in the decks like the pre made commander decks that are coming out with commander legends oh so this is you can't open this in a booster pack yeah, but it's technically in the set. And so I imagine that's why it wasn't there. But I didn't see it. And I was like, oh, I definitely thought Serger Jer would have wanted to talk about this. And if it's not here, then maybe they don't want to. That's weird. I'll claim it. Uh, and then I come back later and it's marked as group. I'm like, oh, okay, never mind. I, I want to just bring this back with Gorio's Vengeance and play it in the like four color fast bond legendy kind of combo deck that uses lands and second sunrise uh yogmoth's jacuzzi for those true connoisseurs yeah it doesn't die to bolt which i mean tatiova obviously negates fast bond damage because she's a she gains life whenever the land comes into play but she's a three three and the fact that you get like off the bat the one additional land like that's huge like like okay i'll get this back and then glacial chasm right yeah yeah that that's so big I, yeah. I, it's hard to stress how important that is because tatiova then isn't a five drop she's a six drop if you're playing around yeah. bolt right yeah. you like want to get your mana out before and so you're just like well i have to play glacial chasm on a turn where i'm going to kill them but have enough mana to play whatever engine piece i need to get out and this is just like here you go bud go ahead and uh, get that extra land so yeah an important thing in lands is with the exception of maybe the gitrog monster a lot of your engine cards don't have a body and it's very hard to win a game of magic when you're playing lands unless you have like the dream hand or something like that if your opponent is being aggressive and they're pushing the board with their creatures so sure your core your course of crew fix might be able to block a little bit every now and then but it gets scary it's really nice to see ac as a five five because finally, this is something that you want to include. It's something that's going to help you win the game once you get the engine pieces going. And it can actually protect your life total. Yeah. I don't know if I'm ever going to attack with this card. <laughs> no, no, no. You're probably going to win once it's there. But there's a number of times, you know, your Tatiova's down and you're being pressured by a 3-3. And you're like, I yeah. can't really afford to block with this. But I also can't afford to not block with this. And yeah. AC doesn't really have that problem. All right, let's move on to Arami of the Dead Tide, which is, I think, one of the cooler cards in the set. 
Three mana, one four legendary merfolk wizard for one, a blue and a black. Tap. Exile cards from your graveyard equal to the number of opponents you have. Uh, spoiler, it's going to it's gonna be one. Yeah. Target creature card in your graveyard gains Encore until end of turn. Encore cost is equal to its mana cost. Wheeler. So cool. Uh, I mean, yeah, this card's kind of absurd, but it's not like the court absurds, you know? Like, I don't look at this and I get exhausted by it existing. <laughs> no, this, <laughs> is a, not... this is a cool good card, not like yeah, a grown this... good card. This card is sick. And like even the even the like non like spoiler alert, I'm going to mention dredge, but even the non dredge you like uses of this card, which there are a lot are extremely cool and good. It like, yeah, you can do wacky combo kill things with it, but also you can just I don't know. There are a bunch of pretty good creatures you can bring back with ETBs. Yeah, you can just like value town them out. I was going to say, do mid-range value decks want to play a three mana one four? It's it, That's the kind of body that's not unreasonable to play. Yeah, the four toughness is huge. Yeah, because they, like, like it's going to block plus eater removal spell or eater removal spell straight up. And like that, like a yeah. bunch of the red dodges most of the red removal. You can get it back with Savine's Reclamation. Ooh. You can save it <laughs> with Caracas. Ooh. All right. All right. Cool. Get back. Get back your monarch creatures. Oof. We keep saying oof here. All right. Even even just stuff <laughs> like playing this and like discarding your like prime speaker Vanifar or whatever. And then next turn, like let's say you get a prime speaker Vanifar in the graveyard and you get to untap with this. It's like, congratulations. You now have your Vanifar out with haste. Like that's that's pretty that's huge. Pretty spicy. All right. Let's move on and talk about Archelos Lagoon Mystic. Archelos Lagoon Mystic. Four mana, two, four legendary turtle shaman for one and a bug. As long as the Lagoon Mystic is tapped, other permanents enter the battlefield tapped. As long as they are untapped, other permanents enter the battlefield untapped. JR, what do you think? This card's pretty sweet. I don't think many people are gonna are gonna play it. Like it's kind of like a cool design, but not pushed enough to see play in our format. Like I think this could have been three mana and then still might not have seen too much play i don't know i just don't think it has a wide enough application in our format like the two four body for four is a pretty pretty large drawback like you're not actually going to get to attack into too many boards and even if you do get to attack it's not that much of a threat to your opponent (laughs) i i will say this is this card does bring something completely unique to the format in that if I lose to somebody that plays this with Time Vault, I will not be upset. Like, that's like the only yeah. Time Vault kill or one of the few <laughs> Time Vault kills where I'm like, oh, hell yeah, <laughs> turtle, right? Like, it's just like, okay. But this doesn't kill, right? It, it just it just gives them the first one. Yeah, an extra turn's an extra turn. I'm probably dead. I'll probably concede anyways. They're like, no, no, I don't have a loop yet. And I'm like, yeah, They're just turtle. getting back the turn they spent <laughs> casting this. Yeah, turtle. <laughs> The only thing, yeah, turtle power. You just give them the high five and then move on to the next game. Cool deck. Anyways, thanks for the match. No, I'm not, I haven't done anything. Nah, you got it. Don't worry about it. Bye bye. All right, let's talk about Gen Arcanum Weaver. Three mana, two, three legendary human wizard for a red, white, and black. Activated ability pay a red, a white, a black, and sack an enchantment. Tap and sack an enchantment. Return target enchantment card from your graveyard to the battlefield. I'll, I'll field this one for now and y'all can jump in if you want to. I think this is a really cool ability and naturally starts moving you towards Enchantress. The The tricky thing here is the 
colors because your Enchantress deck isn't typically in these colors. It's not really a Mardu deck. If this was maybe Bant, it'd be pretty cool and I'd be much more likely to play it unless you're maybe playing like a five color variant of Enchantress. Serge, can I can I yeah, play yeah. a game with you really quickly? All right, Wheeler, you wanna you wanna grab this one? Yeah, let's go pep rally here, bud. Okay. okay. <clears throat> All right, Serge, give me a C. Is it court? Are you spelling court? No, I'm not spelling C. Court. Give me a U. U. Give me an R. R. Give me an S. S. Oh. Give me an E. Oh. There you go. A. Curses. How are you getting the curses into your into your graveyard? Well, we're a black, red, white deck. Okay, all right. <laughs> all right. Um, Enough said. Yeah, faithless looting, gamble. So yeah, I guess the only the only Mardu Enchantress deck, it's not even Enchantress deck, it's just the curse deck. You got your oh. Academy Rectors, you got your curse witches, you got like all your seven to ten mana curses. Yeah. I mean you play you play the the pre previously the deck is just like Academy Rector, Bitterheart Witch, and then like you play a bunch of enchantments that just make your opponent your your opponents that are playing a lot of creatures. You make their life miserable. But I mean again, in these colors, we've received some new cards from this set, some of them maybe courts, as well as stuff like Luris and Animate Dead is an enchantment. Dance of the Dead's an enchantment. You know, there's there's other options that you can explore with that. I guess you could be playing the seals, like Seal of Fire and Seal of Doomblade or whatever, as interesting interaction. Hey, if there's a bunch of courts running around, you might need to play Seal of Cleansing to start yeah, blowing right? things up. Okay, I want to make this deck now. Yeah. I want to make yeah. this deck now. Thanks. Thanks, Wheeler. My brain is already rotatoing. Ah. Hey, don't mention it. I don't know if it's good. That's a lot of mana, but I, I do know it's sweet. This card might not even be good enough in that deck, but that deck... No, is, I think that deck is... I think that deck, yeah. you're like, this is fine. Did you play Gen? Oh, God, no. <laughs> yeah, you play Gen just because you're like, ah, I kind of have to, right? Yeah, all right. Let's talk about Jury, Master of the Review. Two mana, one, one legendary human shaman for a black and a red. Whenever you sack a permanent, put a plus one, plus one counter on Jury. And when they die, it deals damage equal to its power to any target. Wheeler. This, uh, this one's pretty good. It gets bigger. It's cheap. It's in the right colors. And when it dies, which is pretty easy for an aristocrats deck to, you know, kill it you get to dome out your opponent uh and it triggers off of everything uh, just sacking creatures uh you can sack your fetch lands spawn tokens although i guess those are technically creatures but you you get what i'm saying this card can get pretty big pretty quickly and can dome things out and like even if you play this and they just kill it immediately that's okay i paid two mana and I still got to do a thing. Do you think this is good enough in just like a black, red aggro or mid-range deck? Or do you think it only lives in aristocrats? Mm, probably only in aristocrats, I think. Yeah. Like I'm not super enthused to play this outside of Kratz. It's always it's always good to examine a card from that and be like, does this do enough? Is it a role player in a specific archetype or does it have application outside of it? And I can I can see why we'd be like, yeah, nah, it could probably just live in aristocrats. Let's move on then to Lathiel, the bount the bounteous dawn. Lathiel, the bounteous dawn. Man, gold is always where I really struggle when it comes to pronunciations. Lathiel is a four mana two two legendary unicorn for two a green and a white has life link and at the beginning of each end step if you gained life this turn distribute up to that many plus one plus one counters on any number of other target creatures Wheeler it's a pretty good horse I guess for a horse you know for a unicorn this card is 
like it's it's kind of weird to like look at it and talk about it because it kind of just looks like oh you're this is this is just a commander card we really we we actually really discussed cutting this we didn't know if it did enough but we 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 talked ourselves into including it well i i do think it does it's just like it does enough in the decks that want to take advantage of this and it can have relevant you know it can have a relevant impact on the board either when you know it goes infinite or if you're just doing fair things air quotes like in in a deck like uh, pattern rector aka sandra bullock that deck gains a lot of life pretty fairly that's a deck that plays spike feeder which this and spike feeder can have a loving relationship and even you know the soul warden decks that i started off 2020 with and then kind of have played less but still you know still there are decks that can play this and you can take advantage of its ability uh and make your board absolutely massive or you know like literally just infinitely sized things but also like one of the things we talked about was so i'm playing against a red deck right and i like have anything like this plus spike feeder actually not even a red like an aggressive deck like this plus spike feeder and i'm against an aggressive deck and i just play this and i minus spike feeders counter i gain two life and go to my end step and like let's say i just put both those counters on lathiel or even if i just cash in both of them like i I, then i have a four four or a six six life linking creature against an aggressive deck it is worth mentioning Lathiel cannot target itself any number of other target creatures. oh well i don't like this card as much but (laughs) I mean, genuinely, like the fact that it can't get itself out of shock range is a little disappointing. Yeah, yeah, that's a very key other there, right? I mean, I think then in the previous uh, applications, it still is relevant. Like again, in Sandy B, like it's a green creature that you'll be able to find. It being vulnerable isn't anything new. You already have like Animate Dead, Safi, and Ephemerate and stuff. You can save it. The Soul Warden deck, you're literally just playing a bunch of trash cards that come together and occasionally annoy your opponent into submission. So you lose that more fair-ish thing where you can protect this card, but still it's not the it's not the worst thing to include and might actually just be a totally fine card to play. All right. Let's talk about Lisa, Shroud of Dusk, 5 mana, 5-5 five, five legendary angel for 2 white, white and a black as flying and lifelink and whenever a player casts a spell, symmetrical, they lose 2 life. Jer, what do you think? I actually think this card's pretty reasonable to play in like a black white mid-range deck, which I've I've been known to play every now and again. Like you usually want to play some number of Baneslayer-esque cards, and this is probably the the best option now because it's both game over against the red deck and game over and like gives you an out against storm if you can like disrupt them long enough to cast it which is a big if but you know it happens sometimes as opposed to baneslayer which is literal stone nothing against the combo decks is there a white black like mid-range dnt list because they've been printing a lot of three mana white black creatures that tax your opponent in interesting ways yeah i mean there's there's been a white black mid-range list for a while i've actually won a won a tournament with it but yeah it's not necessarily dnt it's i'd say it's i well at least i played it as more of a traditional mid-range list but yeah you can you can play the you can play orzov in taxes that's a that's a thing that's been around for a hot minute and like won the 20 what was it 2018 year end yeah but like that deck that deck doesn't play five drops right like this no, card isn't making yeah. it into a low to the ground dnt which is why i was asking more about that right. like higher up but still still trying to tax your opponent still trying to restrict your opponent but not in a like i'm gonna play a bunch of one and two drops sort of way yeah i think that's just like 
more of a mid-range deck and you just choose to play like like you're still playing like Campbell and Orzov Pontiff and Tidehall Skeller and all those things just because like those are the best options at that that spot on the curve for that deck. You could I you know what if 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 Robin showed up with this card in like a four color lands mid-range deck, I wouldn't be that shocked. Like I <laughs> it's just just because it is a it's like that's a hell of an ability. And like Jer said, like it just also kills red decks. So hey, that's good enough for me. All right. Talk about Rayav, Master Smith. This is a two-mana, two-two legendary dwarf artificer for red and a white. And reads, whenever a creature you control that's enchanted or equipped attacks, it gains double strike until end of turn. I think I'm in love. I think this is what Wheeler was feeling when he saw Ingenuity Engine the other day, where you just see that Kaladesh art and your heart starts to pump just a little bit faster. It makes the Kokoro go doki doki. <laughs> I also love the templating on this. Again, it, it encourages the player to be aggressive, right? You don't have double strike as a defensive mechanism right now. It's like, you can get this cool ability, but you have to be aggressive. And I'm just like, okay. It also works on itself, which is nice. Like not all these cards, yeah. like lots of these cards stay other and this doesn't, which is a pretty big deal, I think, because you're often struggling for creatures in this deck. And so you sort of you sort of need every creature to be to be a threat on its own in this this does that i legit thought this said that like target creature like if like when a creature you it's, it's all your whole them. board including itself oh right yeah that's that's a lot well the reason this card is so important is classically in the boros equipment decks you've had to include some pretty garbage creatures just because they have the word double strike on it you're like what three mana one three for one red red pip that has double strike oh baby get in the deck you've got a new okay. home here you, you can't you <laughs> don't can't just you hate on prophetic yeah. name speaker <laughs> what are you trying to be like vague that like we won't figure out what trample. card you're slamming i mean it, it it's fine it's fine fine have you cast giant growth targeting that bad boy that's well, of dead course. like there's a world that's that's fantastic but like rayev opens up a world in which you can start to go a little bit more mid-range or even go into more like haste and aggressive creatures and then all of a sudden you play this and your deck just goes into turbo mode right vroom yeah vroom I went vroom, vroom. vroom let's go i don't yeah, know I... I love this this is going to be an auto include in my red white decks do you think we were talking earlier about a um an aura deck and how there's some really good auras getting printed and we might be looking at what, what was the word we were working for that? It's like Sanctum Stompy. Do you think this makes it into that home? Like go more the aura route than the equipment route? Pro I mean, we, from the past couple of sets, because that deck was already, that deck was two colors with one of the green, white primarily. I guess you could, I know people are trying it with Bant as well, but I mean, adding red seems like a perfectly fine thing. You got green, you're fine, right? Yeah, it's free. <laughs> and like, <laughs> From the past couple of sets, like we've received, you know, they've started to mesh the enchanted and equip together. Yeah. So yeah, which we've is really gotten cool. a whole bunch of new tools. So yeah, I mean, if if that deck branches into Naya, then absolutely you could play this card. I love the old fallacy that isn't a three color mana base easier than two. Remember that lie we used to tell ourselves? Wait, what? Oh, that it isn't? That it no that yeah three color mana base is way easier than a two color mana base. You just get to cast everything. Yeah, it is. It's not a lie. Yeah, it's not a lie. It legitimately is just like oh yeah. Oh, I I always thought I always thought that was a joke. Well, as long as you have green. 
Wait a minute. <laughs> oh, okay. Wait a, all right. Wait a minute. Hold up. Hold up. Hold up. Hold up. This makes sense. Blue white tempo. Blue black tempo. <laughs> it's all coming together. Oh no. Um. Yeah. Yeah. It's. Uh, but five color. That's where the real money makers. Are. No. That's when the wheels come off. Right. It's like mm. one color. You're fine. Two color. Things start to struggle. Three and four. You're in the money. Five. You've gone too far. Yeah, the five color mana base is no good. <laughs> what are you talking about? Five color with a bajillion artifacts? You're good to go. Well, that's six color. Six color is good again. Ooh, yes. Okay. All oh, right. Six colors when you're back in the money, of Brown. course. Yeah. Let's talk about our final card of the set review today. That is Wyleth, Soul of Steel. Three mana, two, two legendary human warrior for one, a red and a white. This card, much like AC, is in the commander precon decks, not in the packs. Is that right, Wheeler? Yeah, that's correct. And they say, whenever they attack, draw a card for each aura and equipment attached to it. And I will be absolutely putting this in the exact same deck as Rayav. Because I think it's, to, to quote Wheeler, I think this card is cool and good. Yeah, it's got Trample. That's nice. I'd love it. Love to see Trample added onto any, well, any creature that cares about getting bigger. Well, that's that pseudo evasion, right? Yeah, yeah. I think, I think that's important. If this card didn't have Trample, I'd be less enthused because, I mean, it, it, it is a legend that dies to shock, but like it's, if you are able to equip it with like crafted war gear or bone splitter or whatever, like doesn't right. really matter, then you're still able to just punch through without the worry of like a spirit token kind of ruining your deck. <laughs> <laughs> I think this is a card. This card's a solid role player and I'll have a home there. All right. We're actually a little bit further ahead than I thought we would be. Let's open up really quickly to broad thoughts on the set as a whole. This is a set that was not designed for a format, right? This is a this is a multiplayer set. It wants to throw out haymakers over and over. What's it going to do for Highlander? I mean, I think there are a bunch of really cool cards printed for a format that we'll see some play. Like there are a lot of really cool designs like Hellbreacher is a really sweet design wheel of misfortune a few other ones like of cards that are like similar to cards that have been printed before but just have a better cost or a better effect or are more interesting so i think that's sweet and good yeah i do i do like a lot of the gold cards we talked about today i think all of those are very fun and very cool yeah there's a lot of role player i mean because of the nature of the set right like you have a bunch of legendary creatures with the idea that they can lead the helm of a uh, commander deck and commander decks are often you know very thematically tied which is going to lead to them printing a bunch of cards that push either somewhat narrow themes with the idea that you can overlap them with other partners or that are just very concentrated on doing this you know cool thing that hasn't been done before and so you get a bunch of support to decks that have you know they're very thematic and just there's you know they need redundancy as much as they can get like merfolk right merfolk's like please just give us like a playable two drop like it, it doesn't matter what it does if it's reasonable <laughs> we'll take it and instead they're like here's a hall breacher and you're like oh my god okay well th that's a lot yeah, right thank you yeah sure yeah yeah okay i was expecting less but you know hey i'm not complaining i don't want it to sound like that yeah it's there's a bunch of extremely powerful cards as far as like focusing on very specific themes i don't think it's as warping as throne of eldraine though 
in a well, for a well, wait, hold on. It, if we're excluding the courts, well, but I wasn't. You can't exclude the courts when you're comparing set by set. Then we'll exclude Oko. All right, that's fair. Because I was just okay. All right, all right, all right. Stand corrected. Okay, let's talk about the monarch then, really quickly. What do you think it's going to do to our format? I'm going to scream into the mic for the next five minutes. Let me know when you need me. All right. So overall negative, too strong. Yeah, I'm going to just reiterate what I said, and that it's just clearly not designed for our format, and that like any decks that want to fight on like a remotely fair access it just warps the game around the monarchy and if your deck is not as well set up as your opponent's deck to fight on that access you're likely just going to lose the game as soon as it gets introduced which is which is too bad yep the monarch tends to lead to not a lot of games it stops magic from either being played or stops the magic that is played from being relevant which is i think if uh, some of the problematic cards of the past couple of years have been any kind of like indication leads to not the best gameplay or you know we want to play we play magic to play magic so that our decisions will have consequences or payoffs. So, well, then here's a very important question. And let's just get ahead of it because it's going to be in the comments. We have council members here. I know we don't like to talk about pointing or anything ahead of time, but do you think the- Just one council member. I'm not even on the council anymore. Oh, Apollo. But you have former, right? Like you still have, a, you still have a, a big voice in the format. We all do. Do you think Monarch is the sort of thing that we might see getting pointed or maybe removed from our format? If it's this warping, I don't. And I know we don't we don't have a definitive answer here, but is that the direction you think it's going as a mechanic? I don't think so. Like our our format, as soon as you ban the first card, changes so drastically. Yeah, as Canadian Highlander as it is right now is based off the fact that nothing is banned, and so that when you ban something like that, then you're kind of just it's like, well, I thought. I, I came into this format because I thought things weren't banned, right? Yeah, it just becomes a different format. And I, I think it's too difficult to point because you have to point so many cards. Like you have to point all the like top tier Monarch cards pretty much equally. And then it just becomes a mess to balance the rest around. I think those are really good points and I agree, yeah. I think you sort of live with it for the time being and hope that it's not as bad as we think it is. It, it's one of those things where it's like, do... Do we feel as though the format would be better if these cards didn't exist? Yeah, but do we go, would we want to go through the process of having everything, like all these cards banned? It's like, well, that's just not Canlander. All right, and then let's have one last fun final topic. The new courts in order that you think is the strongest. I think we all agree that green is the strongest. Yeah. Mm -hmm. All right, second place. My vote is probably on black or blue. What do you think? Mine's on white white really white i had his last place really i'm on i'm on white or blue hold on sorry court of grace let me refresh my memory on what that one is you get a four four flyer but like isn't the clock of that i guess it does a good job of protecting the monarch i lit i literally dropped something out of shock i, <laughs> I didn't think that was a thing that happened in real life <laughs> <laughs> yeah i okay all right green and then white next all right because we had the most votes for white and then then i had blue then you had yeah. blue wheeler and then well i had i guess i would put blue at number two white at number three but it's very close for me yeah i had i had blue or black for the next one so i think at a popular vote we have white and or blue at two or three then what do you think black or red i think black just because it's cheaper but they're they're all very very good cards oh yeah they're all excellent so what do you think wheeler is red the weakest or black the weakest i would put red a little bit above black because it deals with 
the board as opposed to the hand. Well, it's also it's also just very close. I think like I would tier this as like at three different tiers, right? Instead of not to overcomplicate things, but <laughs> yeah, I agree. It's it's like green, white slash blue, black slash red. Yeah. 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 All right, that's fair. That's fair. It's like yeah. triple cool. S tier, double S tier, and S tier. <laughs> yeah. yeah. A A doesn't even come into the equation. Nope. That's gonna that's gonna do it for our episode today. If you have any thoughts on Monarch and the format, if you have any thoughts on your own personal ranking for the courts, let us know down below in the comments. Thank you so much for listening to our two-part Commander Legends set review. I've been Serge, joined by the wonderful Jer and Wheeler. Thank you very much for listening. A reminder, this podcast is brought to you by you, with your support of the Patreon at patreon.com slash run as well as through the YouTube subscriptions. Thank you so much for listening, and we will see you next time. Bye-bye.